That year, he was able to look for his Easter eggs for the first time. He was able to see a rainbow. He's able to dive into a pool. No worries, no cane, no bumping into anything. Hi, I'm Megan Finnerty, and this is the Beacon Story Podcast from the Foundation Fighting Blindness and the Allergan Foundation. We're featuring funny, unexpected stories from people with blindness or vision loss and the medical specialists working to research, treat, and end blinded diseases. In this episode, we'll hear from scientist Shannon Boy, a researcher at the University of Florida College of Medicine. She's a real-life miracle worker, finding cures for blindness and helping everyday adults and kids see, even after they've been without vision for years. I am an incredibly lucky person. Uh, I work in a career that I love, absolutely love. I get to wake up every morning and do something that potentially is going to help someone one day. I love that I have the ability to potentially help blind people see. It's transformative. Um, So this spring, uh, we actually formed a company called Atsina Therapeutics, which is a company focused on developing gene therapies for various forms of inherited retinal disease. And this was made possible not just because of the science, but because of uh, very important financial backers, including, number one, the Foundation Fighting Blindness and Hatteras Venture Partners, among others. Um, So I'm serving as the chief scientific officer, and my husband, Sanford, is serving as the chief technology officer. And I have to say, it's been really, really um, fun for us to have one toe in academia where there's a lot of sort of freedom to do what you want. And then one toe in industry where there's milestones and timelines and everything moves very quickly. It's been awesome to have one toe in each of those worlds. Um, And being in the Department of Pediatrics, I'm especially passionate about pediatric blindness. These children motivate me so much. Um, Their photographs dot the walls of my office and my lab because they are my inspiration. And I make sure that I interact with them as often as I can. And I make sure my staff, my students, and my postdocs interact with patients as much as they can. And one of those um, patients that I had the pleasure of meeting is named Creed. He came to the University of Florida when he was just three years old with his mom um, because he was having trouble seeing. So he was coming to inherit, see an inherited retinal disease specialist there. Um, and at the time, he was diagnosed with a condition called LCA, or Leber Congenital Amaurosis. And there are a number of different genes, about 20 different genes that can lead to LCA. And at the time, we didn't know which one was causing Creed's LCA. Um, but the, the interesting thing was that there was really only one um, a set of advanced research studies that were being undertaken at the time to cure LCA, and it was specifically for the RPE65 form. So his mom submitted his blood for genotyping to figure out what genetic mutation he carried, and she waited. She waited and waited, and then on her birthday, she got a call that Creed carried mutations in RPE65, and she was ecstatic, as ecstatic as a mom can be finding out that her son has a mutation in one of his genes. But this was the gene for which a gene therapy was being developed. So she was ecstatic. Um, So she wanted him to be involved very much in experimental clinical trials for this disease because she didn't have a lot of money and it can be very expensive to receive these therapies. So she did everything within her power to prepare Creed to be enrolled in these trials. She created homemade tests in her garage to get him ready. She made mazes that he could navigate through so that he could do it even better when he went up to the clinical trial sites. But she waited and she waited to be called. She finally got called. He went up to get tested for enrolling in this trial, but unfortunately he was too young. 
Um, and a lot of the things that they do to patients when they're testing them for eligibility for enrollment in these trials is they dark adapt them. So they would put Creed inside a dark room for a couple of hours. Now, what does a four and five year old do when they're in a dark room for a couple hours? They fall asleep. And what do they do when they wake up? They're cranky. So Creed just was too young to perform the tests that were necessary to be enrolled in this trial. And his mom was heartbroken. So they waited again. She got called again by the same um, clinical trial site to see if he could finally do those tests now that he was a little bit older. The story repeated itself. Unfortunately, Creed was unable to perform the tests necessary to enroll in the trial. She was devastated, I was devastated, and we all went back to waiting. And now it was time to wait for the FDA to say that this gene therapy would be approved for broader use, as in anybody could get it. We waited a long time together. Um, my children at the time um, played with Creed on a couple of occasions. They're around his age and they were acutely aware that he was visually impaired. Um, I recall one end table that Creed had trouble navigating around in my house. I remember his cane and we all kept waiting. A couple of years later, um, I'm happy to report, Creed wound up being one of the first three children in the United States to receive the gene therapy for RPE65LCA2, which is called Lux Turna. And I'm even more happy to, re um, to report that his insurance covered that entire cost. Um, and really, this has been transformative for Creed and his family, and for me, watching this happen since, you know, knowing him since he was three. Um, his mom sent me videos just days after his treatment, and you could already see a difference. There's a video of him sort of looking for her husband in the dark about two days after the treatment, and you could see a difference. Uh, that year, he was able to look for his Easter eggs for the first time. He was able to see a rainbow. He's able to dive into a pool. So his mom, Sarah, sends me these videos and pictures all the time, and every single one I get gives me goosebumps. My children have since played with Creed and he was a totally different child. This time they weren't walking in the house, he didn't have a cane, they were swimming together in a pool, jumping off the side, no worries, no cane, no bumping into anything. Creed is now a preteen and he's doing amazing. So it has been a fantastic journey um, to, to ride with him and to see what a difference um, foundation fighting blindness um, can make in the lives of a patient like Creed. And all of that really speaks to the beauty of translational research. It can take a really long time. There can be a lot of waiting and you can face a lot of struggles along the way, but out the back end, for people like Creed, it is totally worth it. I started my career a little over 15 years ago, children were given a diagnosis like LCA and the ophthalmologist would tell their parents, I'm sorry, go teach your kid Braille and get him or her a cane. Uh, but today we have so much more hope because so many more treatments are available, not just for the RP65 form of LCA, but for other forms and for other diseases. There's been exponential growth in this space, not just for pediatric blindness like LCA, but for many other inherited retinal diseases like retinitis pigmentosa. And the foundation fighting blindness has been the fuel behind that growth. I commend them for getting behind the little guys or gals like me a few years ago and for getting behind all of the other junior scientists that they fund. And my message to those other junior scientists 
is that elbow grease works. Ignore the haters, live your dream. The future could be brighter, literally and figuratively, because of you. That was scientist and researcher Shannon Boy. She's at the University of Florida College of Medicine, and we so appreciate her sharing her time and her insights today. Thanks for your story, Shannon, and thanks for your work. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is sharing these stories so you can understand life with vision loss, as well as the everyday moments that make these storytellers' lives like and unlike everyone else's. In 1971, a passionate group of families wanted to help their loved ones, and they set out to drive the search for finding treatments and cures to end blinding retinal diseases. Learn more about their work at fightingblindness.org.